Welcome to AACP's podcast, Inside the Lab, where we discuss anything and everything that concerns today's laboratory professionals and pathologists. My name is Dr. Loti Mulder. I'm the Director of Leadership and Empowerment at AACP, and I'm one of your hosts. Hey, everybody. My name is Kelly Swales, and I'm also one of your hosts. I am an ASCP certified medical technologist, and I'm the executive editor of journals at ASCP. Uh, today, we're going to be talking a little bit about Lab Week, uh, Lab Week through the years, how it started, how it's changing, what Lab Week looks like today. And we've got some great guests, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Stephanie Whitehead. I'm an ASCP certified technologist as well, and I currently serve as the Executive Director of Pathology and Laboratory Services at University Health in San Antonio, Texas. And I'm Dr. Rodney Rohde. I'm also a certified specialist in virology, microbiology, and molecular biology through ASCP, and I'm the Clinical Lab Science Program Chair at Texas State University uh, in San Marcos, Texas. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, Before we get started, I've got a little bit of housekeeping to get out of the way. CME and CMLE will be available for listening to this podcast in the ASCP store. The American Society for Clinical Pathology is accredited by the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education to provide continuing medical education for physicians. ASCP designates this enduring material for a maximum of one AMA PRA Category 1 credit and physicians should claim only the credit commensurate with the extent of their participation in the activity. All right, guys, once again, thanks for joining us. First off, I want to wish all of our listeners happy Lab Week. Back, you know, a million years ago when I was on the bench, uh, Lab Week was always a great time in the laboratory. You know, the atmosphere is festive, the games are, are a fun time, and it's, it's always just sort of a relaxing time to be able to do a crossword puzzle, right? and uh, not get in trouble for it. Um, So since ASCP is celebrating our 100th anniversary this year, my first question to you is about lab week of the past. What did it look like in the beginning? Like whenever you first started your career, what did lab week look like in the laboratory? Well, for me, I started off my laboratory, my first job as a generalist specializing in blood bank, um, working the night shift. And so we all know like how that can be. Oh yeah, I've got some, I've got some lab week night shift stories. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't necessarily, the night shift, all shifts, it's hard to feel included as part of the team. You know, you come to the potlucks and usually most of the stuff is kind of picked over all of that jazz. You're not really there for the lunch and learns and all the fun activities, which really those experiences helped me as I got into my director role, because I really wanted to make sure that I was inclusive of all of our team members. And so uh, the first lab weeks that I could really remember, because I don't want to date myself in terms of how long I've been in the laboratory, (laughs) (laughs) but the ones as a director role and um, at my current organization, I've been there eight years. And we've got a very small team that helps plan Lab Week, but they are all so excited, um, energetic, cognitive of all of the different shifts that we have. We also have an ambulatory aspect, so five stat lab teams that operate with us. And we try to be very inclusive. You know, if you're working at one of our outlying clinics in that laboratory, you could have, you know, worked an entire year, your whole career with us and not really ever met myself or anybody who's working at the hospital. And so we want to make sure that we have this time during lab week to really cultivate team environment and try to really bring everybody that's supporting the laboratory together. Also, to me, as I've personally developed over the past few years and in my career, I try to 
although we want to make Lab Week as fun as possible, also really concentrate on education and professional development with our employees. So we try to now do things that really focus on increasing their value as a medical laboratory scientists or phlebotomists or whatnot. And so it's really great that this year we're actually giving away some free registrations to Knowledge Lab. Oh, that's we'll- cool. Yeah, we'll be registering 15 employees for Knowledge Lab to to attend. And we also do a kind of, a lot of things to kind of just promote the benefits of being in a professional organization if the members aren't already in a professional organization. Yeah, that's great. Mine's mine's a little bit different and Stephanie, I think you don't have to worry about uh, dating yourself. I'm I'm the one with <laughs> that issue going on here. So this is I was thinking as I kind of was looking at the podcast and thinking about it today, this is my 31st year of thinking about Lab Week. Of course, some of you who know me know that the first decade of my career was in the public health laboratory system. So I worked at the Department of Health in Austin. I also did a couple of stints uh, as a visiting scientist with CDC in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just a great time. I actually talk about myself usually as being a hybrid professional. So I had a decade of doing that. And now for 21 years, I've been in uh, clinical lab science program and educating future a medical lab scientist. So a little different perspective early on, because early in my career, it's just totally different. We had, you know, hundreds of employees at the Department of Health in Austin. It's a huge department. It's it's Texas. It's a huge state. And so there's a lot of laboratory workers across all spectrums, newborn screening, chemistry, infectious disease, and so forth. And so we had, um, you know, kind of a week where we would celebrate, but we would have these huge luncheons. Um, <laughs> And what I loved about them early on was we always invited back the retirees, uh, and it really gave me an appreciation for the history of the Department of Health and the people who do that work. Most people don't realize the effort. Uh, maybe they do now after the pandemic, but or as we're winding down the pandemic, hopefully they understand that kind of background also kind of behind the scenes uh, at times, but they're always there passionate, devoted professionals. So I just love that part of my career. As a clinical lab science uh, program director and professor now in the education realm, uh, what I love now is that I get to work with, you know, young people and also non-traditional students, but kind of at the forefront, the beginning of their career. And I get to help shape their understanding of of not only the medical laboratory during lab week, but the entire year. So as kind of Stephanie said, Uh, We have our fun stuff. You know, we'll do some lunch. We'll do some games. We'll have some fun. But we also try to mix in, um, you know, information around almost their professional identity of why they need to understand what they're doing uh, with ASCP, for example, or with other professional laboratory organizations and how, you know, your career should be also about showing your value to others outside of the lab and trying to instill that early on. Uh, because as you guys know, we're always challenged with that. And so to get that going at a 19, 20, 21 year old or a 30 year old, whoever's in my program, so that when they leave us and they and they're employed by Stephanie up the road <laughs> or down the road, you know, they come in uh, with an appreciation of their colleagues, with the profession, and they become advocates for us all. I really like what you said about bringing back the retirees. That's just such a cool element because, you know, once you retire, 
It doesn't mean that all of your passion for the laboratory field is gone. And it doesn't mean all your knowledge is gone. And to me, sometimes it's great for more tenured, I'll say more tenured, uh, (laughs) (laughs) more seasoned employees to come back and offer some of that wisdom and mentor some of our newer technologists in the laboratory. We I'm thinking back to last lab week and she's since retired, but we had an employee that celebrated her 50th year in the laboratory. Holy cow. I know, which for many of us is like mathematically impossible. <laughs> but yeah, she, must and, have, she obviously just started right out of school then and then didn't yeah. retire until her 70s. Right, right. Wow. Uh, and she worked in our donor room. And, you know, knew everything, not only just about the organization, but about the laboratory. Some of the pathologists, she was there when they were fellows and going through their residency. And so it was really great to celebrate her and her longevity and with the staff to see somebody who had that longevity in the laboratory medicine field. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gosh, she's probably forgotten more lab science than than we know, right? right? It's also cool to think about it. Because, you know, during the pandemic, for example, we all saw how we needed to sometimes bring back, whether it was part-time workers or others that you could plug in pretty easily, you know, maybe with just a little bit of onboarding, but, you know, helping, helping during a crisis and their, their example, leadership, and, you know, they probably, they lived through HIV, they've lived through other types of issues in their career paths. So just helping calm uh, you know, a little bit what might be happening in the moment, I think it's very valuable. And I, I truly think that retirees are those who are modified, you know, retirement mm-hmm. are people we should really consider more often with respect to interacting with new new professionals. There's just a whole wealth of information we could get into there about diversity and inclusion and experience and resilience and all these things that we're witnessing right now that that someone like my former chair, Dave Fallour, who started this program in 1974, he worked into his 70s as well in academia and even in the faculty areas, you know, we're, we're needing to get that word out and get that awareness out so that we have new professionals considering education as a pathway sometime because we are, we're desperate for educators as well. Right. right. So true. Yep. So speaking of the pandemic, as we are now in year three and celebrating our third lab week during a pandemic, how has your laboratory maintained the spirit of this celebratory week with your team? And how have you been able to adapt and celebrate, but do so in a safe way? Yeah, that has been a challenge because I think during the pandemic, you know, the laboratory teams across the country, and particularly our, our laboratory team, who was part of the emergency response laboratories for the state and doing COVID testing, worked so hard. Um, we knew employees that worked, you know, seven days straight, 16 hours a day. Um, so you wanted to pour into them during that week and really, really celebrate them. But you also wanted to make sure that you are respecting boundaries that other people have, even when things, you know, like last year started to kind of lift. People still had their own personal boundaries and safe points that you wanted to be respectful of, but also you wanted to try to have fun. So we did a lot of things that, like I said, were virtual door decorating contests where you could, you know, at your leisure and within certain, you know, 
fire <laughs> and environment of care guidelines decorate, you know, doors in the department and then go around and, and observe those decorated doors. We did a lot of virtual games. So this is where what we were talking about before, leaning on the strengths of the diversity in your laboratory, the old and the young. Um, we have a lot of really young tech savvy uh, employees in our department who came up with some really fun virtual games that we were all able to enjoy. We were able to continue to still do lunch and learns, but we just did it in a virtual way. And many of the vendors would bring, you know, like box lunches and things like that, where, you know, employees could at their leisure come to a certain point, grab a box lunch, and then watch the virtual uh, lunch and learn, which actually turned out to work even better because it was kind of on demand. So if you were really busy at the time of that lunch and learn, you could always go back and view that, view that lunch and learn later. Or like you're saying, like the midnight shifts, and they could actually participate with that. Exactly, exactly. You know, because when it was in person, then you, if you weren't working that day, or if you were busy and couldn't get away, or if that wasn't your designated lunchtime, you tended to miss out on that educational experience. And so having it virtual, like many things, kind of helped open it up to other people. We did a snack cart. And it was kind of more of a soothing thing where myself and some uh, other leaders of our team walked around to the different departments with a literal cart with individually wrapped treats, <laughs> you know, lavender sticks, <laughs> you know, things that would help soothe pencils and pens. Healthcare workers, we love pens. Yeah, um, we do. <laughs> and walked around to the different departments and, you know, really just kind of, and it was a great way to kind of personally interact with people during that time. And as I was saying before, when we try to also incorporate the entire team and be really inclusive, especially those who are working in the clinics and ambulatory areas, we did a lot of like virtual tours. So many renovations had happened. You know, we had uh, opened an entire COVID lab that some of our outpatient employees had not had a chance to observe. And so literally with cell phones and cameras, we, you know, did virtual tours of some of the renovations that had happened and posted those onto a centralized portal. So all of the staff could view it. We did picture collages. So we encourage people in their own department to take photos of you know, themselves in, in safely distanced groups. And we posted those in different collages for people to see. And so as much as we could to really just try to, like you said, safely bring back everybody together. And for any listener or leader or informal leader that's listening, one of the things that I would actually really impressed upon is as a leader, you'll never be able to reach what the things that I'm saying, you'll never be able to reach 100% of your staff. So you're always going to have that PRN phlebotomist that works every other weekend, or that person who's out on FMLA because they just had a baby who who is going to miss lab week. And so one thing we really try to encourage is if you work in teams, if you work, like we talked about earlier on the night shift, if you work with a certain set group of people that you really try to celebrate within your team and find fun ways to celebrate the work that you're doing together, because your leader is only going to be able to reach so many people um, with the things that we're doing. And we try to really reach, you know, 80 to 90% of our staff. But like I said, we'll miss a couple just because of the timing of the, the lab week in the month or the days where people are on or off or people switching shifts and things like that. And so that's one of the things that we really try to encourage also is that people take that opportunity to think of ways that they can celebrate their team within their departments and within their working groups. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think thinking for me, from my standpoint, uh, of course, we have students that are seniors during their spring and summer semesters are doing their clinical rotations. And so that that coincided with the first what you know, the first breakout of the pandemic was in the spring of 20. And so that that class, unfortunately, really was impacted uh, like like many around the country, as Stephanie know, I mean, all of a sudden. Uh, they luckily, very fortunate that we had gotten two rotations in. So we do three week blocks. And so we were able to get them out in January before things, you know, had gotten crazy and even February before things shut down. You might remember uh, March 13th, it was Friday the 13th is when everything shut down. And so what our university did was we not only took one week, we took two weeks of spring break to pivot to virtual classes and all the other stuff that you, you know, happened. So with respect to lab week, you know, it was it was just a blur uh, that first spring. We we basically did the best we could with virtual encouragement. And really for us, it was about assuring our students that their education and their clinical training uh, would be the best we could do. We worked well and closely with our clinical affiliates. Of course, they had priorities about testing and getting their own ship in order for that problem at that time. And so for us, it was really scrambling to make sure that our students understood that even though they may not get the full clinical experience during that last year that our employers understood, and we worked really well, we were able to get them back out in July for another one. Typically, they do four to five, and they only got three in that year. But what we assured them was that employers, and they were so great, we rely on our clinical affiliates so much is that they understood that in our region. And what they did is they spent more time with onboarding and orientation when they hired those individuals. They all passed certification. The theoretical part was there. But as you guys know, the practical piece in the clinical training areas where we were concerned, but everything worked out. Uh, They're all employed. They're doing great now. And then the next year in, in 21, a little better, as Stephanie said, so we were able to do more things. And that's where we I guess we had all become a little more adept at Zoom and Teams and, I mean, things I never thought I would be doing, uh, creating, <laughs> creating games. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm pretty savvy for an old timer, but if there is, you know, there's several good things, I think, that have come out of the pandemic, if you ask me. And, and so one part of it, I think, is scientifically what was good about it is Operation Warp Speed, cutting out red tape. I mean, we did some things unbelievable in my opinion. mRNA technology has exploded. I mean, I think we're going to see the benefits of that going forward for for new technology for HIV and other diseases. There's that part. But the other part is that it's allowed the world to come together in ways I think we never dreamed of. Uh, I, I think what we're doing right now, I mean, podcasts were around, but what we're doing with education and conferences and creating hybrid conferences, I mean, wow. I mean, globally, we're reaching people that just can't afford, you know, to come to Chicago, uh, but maybe they can get there in a different way uh, or whatever is going on. So, you know, all of that, I think, is a plus. And certainly for my education program, but also for my professional life with students and alumni and colleagues, now we are able to do things that we never dreamed of doing, including virtual labs and things like that. It'll never replace hands-on, in my opinion, but it certainly serves a purpose when you have to pivot uh, for certain things. And it's given us the ability to do that. So we took advantage of it during lab week, much like Stephanie, we had, we still got together. We had evening get togethers where we talked, you know, we had our pets there. We had dinner, we had 
our spouses, our loved ones. You know, so for students, uh, what was really cool about that, and you can imagine this, imagine you knowing your professors when you were their age. I mean, they really got a glimpse into my life uh, and our other faculty and me acting kind of, you know, goofy at home with my wife and my dogs and and other things that, you know, made me look like a person, I think. Right. Right. And, and them as well, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And we got to see them. We got to see their pets and their and their loved ones. And I mean, everybody really pulled together uh, for us. I mean, that was a, a blessing in our program. And then this year, what's been so exciting for me and our students is that we've been pulled into uh, like last week, I recorded a session with uh, Tiffany Gill, med lab lady, yeah. and Aaron Odegaard and Andrea Prinzi. And we did a Pictionary microbiology game. And so oh, we recorded that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we're promoting it. It's going to come out during lab week. And so just, you know, stuff all over the country, right? I mean, we could never have done this or we didn't want to do it, you know, four or five years ago. We didn't want to figure out how to work the technology. Now we just, it's secondhand nature. So again, the pandemic, tragic loss of life, tragic loss of time, all those things, but there have been some benefits because it drove new learning and people that probably, including me, I mean, I never really wanted to be an online teacher, still like being in the classroom. Sure. I, that's my that's my energy, but it sure is nice to pivot, you know, when there's a tornado or so you don't lose time. Uh, you can kind of stay up with things. So that's, that's my perspective. And I, I just think going forward, we just have all sorts of things at our fingertips now. Uh, and ASCP is a huge part of that. I'm, I'm part of the virtual grand rounds now with Dr. Mirza and his group. Just crazy, unbelievable stuff now that we can do together. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of the um, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Like like right. you're saying, like we could have done this, all of these things, you know, yeah. four or five years ago, we just didn't want to put forth the effort because we didn't need right. to. Rodney, you mentioned some cool, a cool game just now. And and Stephanie, you mentioned that you were raffling off knowledge lab registrations. Uh, so I kind of want to ask you guys what sort of activities you guys do in your in your areas for lab week. We mostly just had, you know, like a potluck every day, like a themed potluck and every day and then desserts on Friday. And, and there's one year I think we made an obstacle course in the lab, which was fun. I'm sure it violated all kinds of OSHA rules. And <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, we did stuff like that. But it sounds like you guys are really doing like some cool, innovative things. So I want to um, ask you more about that. Sure. Well, one thing that I think is really great, just piggybacking off of what Rodney said, is the connections that we've been able to make during this time when he talked about, you know, Tiffany Gill and, and Aaron Odegaard. It made me think about the the first annual ASCP Cell Bowl that they just put on. Yeah. And, you know, Tiffany Gill already had her own YouTube channel, but based on the situation, really just kind of exploded and has been helpful to all educators. And so that's a person where, you know, myself, I probably would have never really run across her, but, you know, the connections we've been able to make over this time has been so helpful because even me and Aaron were sharing, you know, lab week ideas for lab week this year, just recently, a couple of weeks ago. And so some of the things that we've done, like I said, in addition to, you know, the lunch and learns, and we try to really make our lunch and learns things that are 
relevant to either testing that we want to do in the future or current testing that we have on right now. One that comes to mind is last year we implemented high sensitivity troponin. And so we had our vendor come and do a lunch and learn on that. And, you know, Roche came and and did a lunch and learn, not came in person, but virtually did lunch and learns on, you know, some of the implementations that we had done with them as a vendor. In addition to that, a lot of virtual games, so Jeopardy, crossword puzzles, like I said, door decorating contests, the snack carts, one game that I really, really enjoyed. um, And this is kind of a get to know you thing because people can really get um, into their own world so much. You know, like Rodney said, when you get to really know a person, um, it really helps you see another side of them. And so we have about 40 pathologists that work on our team and a medical director over each one of our 14 sections in our laboratory. But we did a game called Before I Was a Medical Director, I Used to Be. Um, And it it was such a cool game because some of our medical directors are from different countries and had these whole lives before they were working in our laboratory. And really, you only see them as your hematology medical director or your urinalysis medical director. But, you know, some of them are EMTs. We've got a medical director that was from Poland and previously was a witch doctor back in his home country. You're and kidding. So, yeah, it, it, was interesting. So, it was such an interesting game to play. So that's one of my favorite games that uh, that we've done. And we've done the same thing with our management team. Done, of course, everybody's done, I think, maybe baby pictures. You know, oh, you yeah. to match we've done that game with baby pictures, which is super cute, too. Because <laughs> some people just don't change. They're just like J-Lo. They look the same <laughs> 20 years later. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one of the most popular events that we have, last two years, we've had to do it virtual, but it's usually in person and a sold out house is called a gross lunch. And so if you're listening and you you don't have a histology laboratory or histology section in your laboratory, the gross room is the area of pathology where the specimens come in through the operating room and they get ready to be processed for pathology analysis and so forth. And so just a play on words with the gross room, we have our pathologists or our residents from that area do interesting reviews of cases that they've seen from the specimens that come through the gross room and we call it a gross lunch and so you're eating lunch and then you're seeing like these autopsy cases or really interesting histology cases on the screen and you would think most people would be grossed out by that while they're eating but i tell you it would be standing room only (laughs) that that sounds really interesting i would have totally done that had i worked in your lab it seems like something you should have during Halloween, a gross lunch, but yeah. <laughs> why not do it more than once a year? Yeah. Right. That's actually a really yeah. good idea. We should do it more than once a year, but it brings everybody really together. It brings the text from chemistry and it brings, you know, the text from blood bank really into seeing what what's going on in anatomic pathology. And these are departments that will have some interaction, but may not get to really just really intimately sit together and understand what's going on in each other's worlds. And so, like I said before, you the laboratory can be kind of isolated when we kind of get into our world. But within the laboratory, if you're a tech and blood bank and you work on the night shift, you may not really interact with a tech and hematology that works on the day shift. And so really ways to help these technologies kind of intersect with each other and really get to know each other as an entire laboratory team. Yeah, it's, it's, it sounds like you're, you're doing a lot of work to like help strengthen relationships 
both within the laboratory and then like with your vendors and, and stuff. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, and that's really what we need right now, right? When you think about the national workforce shortage, which is a well-documented crisis in our in our occupation, and we really, when we talk about it, we always focus on recruitment, but retention is, Retention's you know, huge. a huge part of that. And so part of retention is really creating loyalty and a bond and relationships. So when people do get poached to go to other hospitals for a dollar or 50 cents more, then they feel like there are some aspects to your laboratory and some fun or some things in your laboratory that cannot be monetized. You know, I I can't monetize the relationship I have with my medical directors. I can't monetize the things that I'm learning, the appreciation that I get you know, the way that we have a great culture here, all of those things. And hopefully that'll entice them to stay um, and help you. Preach and amen. Yes, <laughs> um, your gross thing, your gross lab makes me think about the public health department. So we used to do this year round, including Halloween, not year round, but Halloween and lab week, but uh, not to gross you out. But I can absolutely remember these great parties where the parasitology lab and the Texas parasitology department of health is unbelievable. They have a refugee screening program. So they have seen everything and they have a, they have a museum, you know, parasites that are adults. Anyway, it's just a phenomenal place, but they would do. And of course they had these quirky personalities in there because of this. And um, they would have these Halloween parties and it was a luncheon. And you can imagine what they bring. So they would have everything from like a sterile bedpan that they that they would put in like you know bean dip and corn and (laughs) so you were eating out you were eating out of a bedpan. Another one, a really good friend of mine when I was working in rabies, uh, she brought a diaper in and did kind of a similar layout. And so you were actually it's just disgusting. But people get into this (laughs) stuff. I don't know what it is about people. But moving into more current stuff, we have, fortunately, because things are a little better right now, we have Sonic Reference Labs and some other vendors and others that are out there all over. We got lots of great vendors around and they're going to come in and recruit our seniors. I think the first Monday of lab week and some other days and, you know, provide them lunch and recruit, but also do some education. We get alumni to come back sometimes and do talks. So kind of like a lunch and learn, but with a little twist on bringing alumni back uh, to interact with our current students. Uh, That's always a a lot of fun. And then one of the things we've implemented, uh, the the usual, you know, rollout of all sorts of games and stuff. But one that's become really popular in the last few years is was developed by students at one of our state meetings uh, several years ago before the pandemic. And they called it the Lab Olympics. And we basically have skills and and i mean literally like pipetting and and, you know other types of things to where students get to compete uh, against each other and it's timed and so there's you know just different types of skill sets like that so all of that's really good and and as you both have mentioned and all of we've talked about a lot it seems to be a thing today is that interpersonal building uh, relationships i cannot echo what stephanie said more i think you know healthcare in general right? Laboratory, medical laboratory, public health, and healthcare in general has been under such a tremendous strain the last two and a half years is that we must focus on retention and recruitment, but we have to appreciate and love on the people that are that are just working their tails off. I mean, they're exhausted and, and we've all seen the toll that that's had on people. And so 
it's just personal to me. I mean, I think we have to thank people uh, more than we can stand. I mean, you need to thank people a lot and show them that, that they're recognized and they're important uh, when they're tired and exhausted and maybe want to quit. Uh, but we really need to work on that. And so trying to weave that in uh, within this lab week is probably going to be some of my thematic work because even students, right, even students feel that when they're doing rotations, they feel it from us because we kind of are under that stress load ourselves. I certainly know I can exhibit that when I'm, you know, worn out after doing a million COVID duties for the university in one week. So, so I, I just think it's really important, you know, not only uh, that we highlight and, and celebrate, but that we we love on our people a little bit because I think they need it more than ever right now. Yeah. And I'm just a party person. I mean, if I weren't a clinical laboratory scientist, I probably would have been a party planner. Like I loved planning my wedding. I love anytime somebody's got to do anything. I love planning things. And so I think it's important. Um, we're all burnt out. Like Rodney said, it's a very good point, but rely on your team's strengths. Because if you've ever done the disk analysis, the management test, I'm a high eye. I've always been a high eye. I have got more D in me now because I think years of management has beat the I out of me. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a high D I as well. So um, yes, ma'am. I think you find all of the people in your department that are eyes, the people who love to celebrate birthdays, the people who love to do baby showers and all of those things and have them help plan because if you're truly extroverted like that and true eyes, that's something else, like Rodney said, being in the classroom gives him life. That's something else that really feeds to that person's yeah. um, to inner strengths and really gives them life as well. And so playing on people's strengths, figure out what your team likes, figure out what they're good at. If you have people in your department that are good at IT, have them do a virtual newsletter for you. If you have people in your department who are great at scramble, you know, have them create games for you, you know, play on your team's strengths. Um, that way they kind of get fed from within too during this time. So speaking of parties and go and big and go home, what are some big or crazy ideas or ways to celebrate lab week that you have just never been able to, whether it's due to budget or schedules or logistics, anything like what are some, some ideas that either of you have, you're like, Oh my gosh, if given the opportunity, this is what I would do. I mean, I think we obviously advocacy and visibility, you know, is always one of those things that I've always been very passionate about and really just the mechanism and the bandwidth and the opportunity to figure out how to do that would be something that I would say. There was a point in time um, last year where we were able to get our county judge and our mayor during their nightly uh, addresses to address the laboratory. And that was really cool because it was kind of on TV. But I think for me, you know, really finding ways to really you really just get out what we do to other people and help them understand that's we've done that a lot during these past two years. There's been more visibility than ever, but it's really time to shed that whole behind the scenes. Yes. You know, we're, we're, we're behind the scenes and all of that stuff because that's not helping the situation. It's not helping us. And really, when you talk to the technologists uh, and when you talk to techs, we kind of have worn that like a cloak of armor for so many years, but nobody really likes that. You want to be 
considered part of the medical team. You want to be recognized like doctors and nurses and everybody else for what we do and for people to really understand what you go through and and why you're piece is important to the entire medical picture. And so I think that advocacy piece, well, however you can help your whole city, your community understand the role that you play in each patient's care will be important. Yeah, I totally agree. I think if I had a budget and, <laughs> you know, again, one of the issues, same thing in the, in the clinical world or when you're working, but so, so also, as you know, in our rigorous uh, training programs and educational programs, it's just difficult to find the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I would love if I had the time and the budget to take our students, you know, to a way to celebrate and be that visible presence, right, to get out there uh, and do something like that. And we've done that in the traditional bone marrow drives or the blood donor drives, but that's always on campus, right? I would love to go somewhere and, and not only show up somewhere, but to have the budget to actually bring in where you know you're going to have some uh, cameras on you to actually document, not a documentary, but something in that manner where you're going to make the news, where you're going to be a part of something, even if you have to pay for it to make it happen. And this is a bit of a tangent, but, and you guys may know this about me, but I've been working on this for years and I constantly write emails and letters, not just social media. I mean, I reach out to, to networks uh, and individuals. It's worked a little bit. The pandemic obviously helped. As Stephanie said, we've been on CNBC and we've been on some other areas, but it's been so narrow about the pandemic or about the effect of the pandemic on workforce. And we appreciate that. I'll take it because I can always get in a little bit about the the recruitment piece, but I just wish we could could find a way with a budget or through a vendor or a sponsor that would allow us to create commercials like like Johnson and Johnson did for nursing years ago. I mean, if there's no time other than right now, I just wish we could make that happen. And I would love to see that happen for our profession and actually go in and follow people around. And, you know, it's going to be a minute at most or a minute and a half if it's commercial, but also, you know, even a way to do a, an actual, sh- you know, short documentary or something, but money and time are, are some yeah. of the problems there. I do remember that from Johnson and Johnson. And while I I will say, just as a little plug for university health, one of the things that I really like, because everybody has a week, right? I think actually a national PA day is coming up in a couple of days. It'll pass by the time that this airs, but there's a nursing week and then there's, you know, a doctor's week. And then there are some professions that I don't even know if they have a week transcription, EBS, you know, all these other areas. Uh, But our hospital actually does a hospital week. So we celebrate laboratory week within our department and we do our best to invite other people in because we know so many departments, infection control, our procurement department, you know, uh, plant engineering. So many departments help support us so we can do what we do. But what I really liked is years ago, the hospital went away from celebrating individual weeks because innately some people or some services weeks would be kind of more publicized or larger than others. (laughs) And they went to celebrating hospital week um, because that's that's really inclusive of the cashiers, you know, Mm -hmm. yes, that's inclusive of the registration team, the transporters, the people in the parking garage that are helping. I mean, all of these people who may not necessarily have their own week, but it celebrates everybody who's contributing to the care of that patient. So that's one of the things that I really have liked. And we're talking about, you know, that whole inclusiveness. I'm going to look toward the future a little bit. 
How do you guys see Lab Week changing in the future? I know, Stephanie, you had mentioned that you guys were doing your your lunch and learns virtually. So they were sort of like an on-demand. Is that something that you'll keep up so you can reach more employees? Or do you think you'll kind of revert back to the old older way of doing things? Basically, the, the broad question is, where do you see like Lab Week going forward? I do see us keeping some elements of the things that we have changed due to this pandemic. And just like Rodney said, although it was tragic and there are so many um, lives lost and so much um, tragedy that has happened over the past three years that we've been dealing with this, we've discovered so much and we've been able to be so innovative within just technology, within our healthcare field, within laboratory medicine itself. And we've discovered so many things. We could have always been doing elements of lab week or conferences, like you said, Kelly, virtually, but this really just pushed us to see how that would work and to make it successful and to really refine and perfect it. So I would imagine that we would always keep an element of that so that we can, and we said this is the theme of this kind of podcast, be inclusive and really leave those as on demand, not just during lab week. You could always go back and revisit that during later times. Um, you could have them as continuing education for new employees that you know maybe weren't hired during the time of lab week. Maybe they onboarded a month after lab week. You could always, you know, refresh that up and then send that back to them. I would imagine that as we continue to move forward, to continue to really invest in people's professional development. And so um, highlighting, you know, things like ASCP's photo contests and benefits of being a career ambassador, um, highlighting the members of our staff that are career ambassadors and highlighting the things that they are doing, maybe having them be highlighted with some lunch and learns and talk about the talks that they have made that maybe done around the city. But I would imagine as we get back, to feeling more comfortable being around each other in smaller, moderate sized groups that will go back to some of the old ways. But I think, you know, as life, things are continuing to evolve. We've got members of our staff that have been with the laboratory so long that they were with us when HIV was considered a pandemic in itself. And so then they've lived through HIV and Ebola and then Zika and now COVID, and they have so much to offer. And so I really like what Rodney mentioned about bringing back alumni, bringing back retirees as mentors to the present, the technologists. And so they make, maybe they can see an endpoint. Sometimes it's hard for me to see retirement. It's so far off that I don't know. <laughs> Not, Not me. Not <laughs> me. <laughs> But hearing how far the profession has come from a person who has lived it, but then also seeing a person who is retired as a living, breathing example of what my career could look like at the end is staying in the profession because not not only are people leaving healthcare, people are just leaving, you know, the profession and all together. And so I think, you know, giving that as a, a point of inspiration is also right. important. I don't know, Ronnie, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, I think just to start with just to Kelly's question, I think I think hybrid is the way we're going to have to go. I, I think now that we're fully onboarded with online and virtual features, again, inclusivity. Boy, you talk about allowing people to participate uh, that could never afford to do it. I mean, it's always been an issue, right? I mean, money is an issue when it comes to big conferences and traveling and things like that. Uh, but now. Uh, even if it's asynchronous, even if it's later down the road, they can, you know, they can plug in and, and, and even get to know somebody, even though it's not live. 
uh, in some way. So I think we have to stay hybrid. I do think we need each other. Uh, we need the contact. We need to interact. We need to be together. But it does open the door for those that just can't always do that. On top of that, I think where we're going, and, and this is you know one of my passions, and I'm sure you guys know it and you, you agree, is that this advocacy piece, this understanding your professional identity and your responsibility and accountability to the profession, uh, all of those things Stephanie was kind of talking about from, from the retiree all the way down to the brand new medical laboratory professional that's coming into the profession to kind of understand their place. And so one of the things I'm excited about is I got invited and I've accepted to join the, uh, the ASCP steering, the workforce steering committee to develop strategy to expand career and pathways, you know, in pathology and medical laboratory. It's chaired by the amazing uh, Susan Harrington, who's former chair of the board of certification. Uh, and she's done so many other things. She's the medical director at the Cleveland clinic. And we have a, we have a meeting this week. I can't wait for our initial meeting and we're going to get to work on the blueprint for action. Uh, and so it's going to be about not just lab week, but, you know, ongoing. And that's my passion. I think after 31 years and I love everything about, you know, my hybrid career path, I, I talk to this with not only my, my children who are now both college graduates. So they've heard me say this a lot, but also my students who I consider my children half the time as well is I want to show them how to get there. Because when I look back, you know, and I've got some perspective now for 30 years, and I look back, there's these points in my life that were, I didn't really know it at the moment, but a mentor or somebody kind of challenged me mm -hmm. to take that step, whether it was to come into academia, uh, which was a big deal for me uh, 10 years into my career, or to you know, step into a leadership role, become president of, of our professional organization in Texas, for instance, things I never thought I would do or want to do, but to see the benefits of that and to show them how to get there, a fellowship, uh, an internship. I mean, these are life-changing career things that can keep you in the profession when things get tough. Uh, and I think that's why so many people that stuck with it and have stayed with it had some of that mentorship and that support in their life. And so that's kind of my, where I'm at in my life right now is to try to find and to be more purposeful with my students of all walks of life, right? The quiet one in the back who doesn't look like me, you know, to help them. So that's, that's where I'm at in my career. And, and hopefully going forward, we can build that together through, you know, through professional organizations, but also in your own professional kind of identity, just things you should be doing as a human being, right, to help and support each other. So that's where I'm at. That's really, that's so cool. really great. It's very One of the great things about being in education is that it's, um, and you got to, you know, just like you guys and Stephanie and, and Kelly, too, I mean, in reality, you are teachers, right? We're all teachers in our own way. But teaching, I always tell students this, when they ask me, what, how in the world, why do you still teach? I still teach as a chair. I wear a hat as a research center associate director. You know, I'm involved in ASCP and ACLS and ASM and all these crazy things that I can't say no to is that teaching is my fuel. And if I didn't have students at least once a semester where I was in a class teaching, 
I probably wouldn't be an effective leader uh, because I just I just get all that fuel from them. So hopefully we can get more educators in the world uh, to join us as well. I just love doing these hosting these podcasts because I always come away so inspired. It reminds me of how much I love the profession, even though I'm not on the bench anymore. I I really am so grateful that I still get to work in these circles. So we're out of time for today. I know we could keep talking. Uh, I really want to thank you guys for for just a really great discussion and uh, happy lab week to all of our listeners out there. I also want to remind our listeners to A, subscribe to the podcast and B, tell all of your friends and colleagues to subscribe and listen as well. And also, I want to remind you guys that you can get CME or CMLE credit for listening to this podcast by visiting the ASCP store at at ASCP.org. Thanks, Kelly. And thank you, Stephanie. And thank everyone out there for all your unbelievable work the past few years. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Happy Lab Week.